we're joined together. The high school has been in Ephesians, and so that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, flip into the book of Ephesians. And to kind of give you some context, we're going to be in verse 13, but we've, we've covered the first, obviously, 12 verses over the last couple weeks. And what we've been talking about is Paul is the author of this book. He's in prison. Okay, I don't think that I mentioned that yet, but Paul is in prison while he's writing this letter. And Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus about something really mysterious. Really mysterious. Like more mysterious than, than aliens. It's more mysterious than like other things. <laughs> I got nothing. It's this mystery in the Bible that is high school what? That is the, it's a mystery, see? What is it? What is this mystery that he's talking about? The church. I hate you guys. <laughs> okay, yes. So he's talking about the church, this mystery that is the church. Why is that a mystery? You say, I go to church every Sunday and Tuesday and other days too. Why is that a mystery? Well, let me tell you why it's a mystery. Because in the Old Testament, there wasn't a church. There were only pictures, foreshadowings of the church. But they didn't even know it then, right? <clears throat> the church wasn't around. And then you get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you start to begin to see glimpses of, of this church, through Jesus' ministry on, on earth. But even then, the church isn't quite going yet. It isn't until all the way in the book of Acts in your New Testament that the church starts up. And even then, when the church starts and it's happening, people, believers, which was, was made up of two different groups of people that we've talked about, Jewish people and Gentile. In other words, other people, Jewish and non-Jewish. They were like, but wait, we're Jewish and Jesus was Jewish and there's this law thing and we have all this culture and these customs within the Old Testament. Well, what do we do with all this? And then there's this big mystery. Okay, hey, Paul's writing to the Ephesians and he says, hey, listen, if you're in Christ, then none of that matters. Okay, so just get in Christ. We say, well, what does that mean to be in Christ? Okay, so it's like this. When you get saved, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord, your Master, and your Savior, the one who, who paid for your sins, when you cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. I want to give my life to you. When you do that, spiritually, you are placed in Christ. And Paul's saying, if you're in Christ, here's some stuff you need to know. That's what Ephesians has been about up to this point. Then in chapter 3, he starts talking about, um, you know, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He talks about uh, this dispensation of the grace of God. Man, I'm here to give you uh, God's word. I'm supposed to tell you about this mystery of the church. He talks about, man, people didn't know about it and they know about it now. And, and then in verse 13 where we pick up, He's just talked about um, some boldness that we have. We have access to God when we're in Christ. You have boldness and access, confidence to come before God because you're in Christ. You can hang out with God. Okay, so, so I won't preach last week's message, but you need to know 
that he's just talked about, hey, because we, we have, because we're in Christ, we have great confidence and boldness to approach God. Now check this out, verse 13. He says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Okay, in other words, because, uh, because Paul is in prison, he's saying, hey, don't faint at, the, at my tribulations for you. I'm, I'm going through tribulation for you. What, what does that mean? He's in prison because he's preaching the gospel and he's preaching about the church and he's preaching to the Gentiles and the Gentile governments don't like that. So he finds himself in prison and he's saying, hey, this tribulation is for you. It's, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, but don't faint at that. Don't worry. Because the church has such bold access to the Father through the faith, as we saw in the previous couple of verses, Paul doesn't want the Ephesians to faint in despair. What do you think he wants them to do? Okay, what else? What do you think he wants them to do? Hey, don't faint at my tribulations for you. I'm in prison. But what did, he, what did we just, what did we talk about last week, high school, at the end of last week? I mean, what did I just kind of lay out? They have what? They have boldness in Christ. They have access. They have confidence, boldness. What do you think he wants them to do, Aubrey? Yeah, I would assume that. What else do you think he wants them to do for him? Probably pray. Just in light of the verses around it, he's saying, hey, don't faint at my tribulations for you. He doesn't say it, but I would imagine he just said, hey, you have boldness and access, access to come to the Father and to make your requests known. And, and so, hey, man, it's, it's awesome to be in Christ. And don't worry about me, but, but pray for me. Because you have access and I'm in prison. But hey, don't worry about me. Exercise your faith and prayer for me. But don't worry, I'm seated in heavenly places. He understands that his spiritual reality, this is another thing we've been talking about, is in heavenly places. Now this is kind of heavy, heady stuff. But just get this. His perspective is eternal. Why? Because as we've studied through Ephesians, we've seen that, this is crazy, you ready? That Paul, just like you... And me are in, we're seated, we're sitting down in heavenly places. You're in heavenly places right now. And it's not because you're in the presence of my lovely wife. I mean, she's heavenly. Sorry. Had to, I don't usually do that. Youth pastor thing. You're in heavenly places spiritually because you're in Christ. Well, where is Christ? Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we are in Him spiritually. You're in heavenly places. I don't understand it. And neither do you. And maybe Paul did. But the reality is Paul says, I'm in Christ. I'm in, like, so my circumstances here, they don't actually matter. Right? So here's our first need. I got three or four needs for you. And some things to get. Here's your, here's your need number one. We need peace from our worship. We need peace from our worship. So if you're taking notes, write that down. We need peace from our worship. Paul, in distress himself, he tells the church not to worry about him. Be at peace, but be at peace because they have that access to the throne room to, to put their burdens and requests at the Father's feet. He's saying, hey, don't worry. 
You can go meet the Father. We need that peace that comes from coming to God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's for others and for ourselves. Some of you right now have a really tough situation. You have a really hard situation. And maybe, maybe you know exactly what it is. And maybe you don't. Maybe you're just disgruntled. Maybe you're jaded. Maybe you're disconnected from what we're doing in here right now and you don't even know why. Maybe you're here and you don't know why. Maybe you're grumpy and grouchy all the time and you don't know why. But let me tell you what you need. You need peace from worship. You need to come to the Father boldly and say, God, I don't know why I'm so grouchy all the time. Everybody keeps telling me it's because I'm 14, but that doesn't make sense. Why am I so upset? Why am I so low? Why am I so depressed? You need to have that conversation with the Father and you can in Christ. Does that make sense? So I got something for you to get. Get in God's presence, in prayer, in His Word, in worship of Him, and there find peace. When we, when we stand up here and do worship, that's not like a warm-up. I know it functions as kind of like a warm-up. Like I'm not saying it's, you know, it's bad to warm up during worship, like get the juices flowing. It is. But don't you know that, man, when we, when we gather early in the morning and we're praying up there, man, when we, when we start our service with sets of praise and worship, that's for you and me to say, okay, whatever I'm coming in here with, I'm going to put that aside. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lift my heart up to the Lord. I'm going to lift my heart up to the Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender. I'm going to expose it to Him in my mind. Right? Why do we put our hands up? Well, because you're being churchy and spiritual. Okay, let me just, let me help you, okay? I'm putting my hands up during worship. You're putting your hands up during worship because you're saying, okay, I I got nothing. I give up. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Man, and, and when we'll come to the Lord like that, there's peace that you get from that. Let's keep going. Verse 14 through 16. Here, here Paul continues. He says, for this cause... Because we have access, because I don't want you to be all worried, we can have peace. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Watch this. This is one of the, the coolest verses in the Bible. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit and the inner man. Let me read it again. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Let's again consider the irony of His prayer right here for the church. And these moments of intense trial and tribulation, right? Paul sitting in prison. Paul's praying that the church would be strengthened with might by the Spirit in their inner man. He's not praying for himself. He's praying for them. Dude's in prison, right? He's not praying, nor is he suffering even for himself. He's in prison for preaching, right? And he's in prison praying for those he got in trouble preaching for. So this takes us back to an important marker uh, of Paul's character in verse 1, where he says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. What's he suffering for? What's he preaching for? What was he saved for? What are you suffering for? Why are you going through a tough time? Why, why were you saved? Why are you here? 
You're here because we belong to Jesus Christ. And you belong to Jesus Christ, not just for, for His, like, because He wants to have you. He does. And it's not just so that you can be had of God. You belong to Jesus because He wants to use you for other people. Right? So the mall thing. I, it, I mean, I got saved so that I could go share Christ with other people. You got saved so that you could go share Christ with other people. Man, let's go to the mall. Why not? I mean, get over yourself. Let's go to the mall. Let's go win souls. I mean, it's that serious. It's dead serious. Because people will go to hell for eternity if we don't recognize, oh man, just like Paul, I need to, I need to, I need to be surrendered. I need to not worry about myself. Like Paul wasn't worrying about himself in prison. He's worrying about the mission and the ministry. Whoever said that over here, going forward. That's got to happen. I got to pray that they would be strengthened. He knows his purpose in life. And because of that, he's at peace in prison. And he's praying for the people he loves. And so you got to think, man, he must have some significant strength to be praying for strength for other people who aren't in prison. Right? So here's our second need. Need number two. We need strength for the work. You need strength. Your inner man needs to be strengthened. We could go into to the mall in this arcade idea, right? And we could just mess a whole bunch of stuff up. Because we're all like anxious and we're not full of faith and we're walking up to people and we're like, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Okay, bye. And then people are like, did he just invite me to church? Weirdo. I don't want to go to church because that weirdo just invited me to church. Right? Or you come up and you're outwardly shaking. You're not prayed up, man. You're not full of faith. You're not just trusting God for strength in your inner man. You're, you're fearful. and you, Man, we need strength to walk into the work and just say, hey, I'm a total weirdo. And this is kind of weird, but I want to invite you to my Bible study. Well, at least I'm not shaking and like, running away from them, right? Engage the battle. So so what does that mean? What does it look like to be strengthened in our inner man? Consider this. It's about your perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. Again, some, some really cool verses. I should probably say that about all of them. It says this, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Here it is. For which cause we faint not. Things are hard, but we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Strengthened. It's going to be similar to renewed. For your light affliction, which is but for a moment. That rejection you're going to experience at the arcade when somebody says, no, thank you. And you're torn up because you're a people pleaser like me. And you just want people to accept you and to just follow you, follow in your footsteps and do everything you do. And when they say, no, I don't want to do that, it's going to hurt, but it's a light affliction for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Think about the people who say yes and join in with you. Think about that. Think about somebody actually comes to the Raytown Bible study from the Independence Mall. But that's wild. What? 
Maybe you're thinking, why would I ever go to someone's Bible study when they come and approach me at the Independence Mall? Maybe because you're broken and needy and you've been humbled by life and you're waiting for somebody to just come up and ask you. Somebody come up and just befriend me. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So to be strengthened, here here it is, is to be renewed. To be renewed is to like be refilled and to be refueled by God's Word and His Spirit. So I got something for you to get. Please, get full of faith in your situation. It's tough. You need strength, which means you need faith. Get full of His Spirit, full of His Word. And there, find strength. How do you get strengthened in your inner man? Man, get the man in your inner man. Right? This is my favorite part here. This next next section. You guys excited? Four, four of you are? Thanks. Thanks, man. There's at least two people sleeping. That's all right. Okay, get this. You got to get this. If, if you've been sleeping the whole time, wake up for this and then you can go back to sleep, okay? Uh, but you got to get this. Verse 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So he's talking about being strengthened in your inner man. Well, what's that look like? Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Okay, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What's going to get you to independence mall? Love. God's love for those people. Here's what you'd you'd be able to do, he says. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So let's look at it. What is the breadth, length, depth, and height of his love? Well, first it's eternal. You can't really measure God's love. Why? God is love. God is eternal. Love is eternal, which means you can't really put it in a box, and it looks exactly like this. You look at 1 Corinthians 13, and you see a description of it. But let's make it practical. Love is, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for someone. Whatever it takes, even if it, if, if it means sacrifice on my, on my part. God's love, He knows no bounds or limits, neither does His love. And uh, we have some scripture records that demonstrate Christ being love. Okay, so consider this. I'm I'm just going to describe it. I don't have the verses referenced in here, but the breadth, right? The breadth, the width from this side to this side. Consider that Jesus, as he stretched his arms out wide on the cross, his death and life were showing he had open arms to all who had come to him. He demonstrated the wide open availability of his love for the world, welcoming children, sinners, prostitutes, outcasts. He welcomed them all, and it demonstrated his love. He wanted fellowship with all people. Do we have that love? The length of his love. He was placed all the way up on the cross, and his body, his his feet hung down. His feet stretching the length of the beam, having suffered long throughout his life and ministry. And in those last days of his life, as he was being tortured and brutalized before he was crucified, he suffered long. 
suffering torture, disgrace, disrespect from his own creation, even after having put in long days of loving and laboring and teaching and miracles to draw people to the Father. The depth, right after he cries out, it is finished. He's up on the cross. Gives up the ghost. Gives up his life. He was taken down and buried and and traveled all the way down to the depths, to hell, to conquer sin and death, for us to have life. Reaching down to deliver captivity captive, his life and his sacrifice show us how deeply God loves us. And then the height. Jesus puts the capstone on his display of love by, what did he do after he, he, he resurrected? And then what did he do? Yeah, he rose up to heaven. So he's on earth for a little while, and then he ascends up into heaven, demonstrating his deity. I'm God, y'all. Right? And the conclusion of his first advent, going, what is he doing? What does he say he's going to go do? He's going to go do something for us. He's going to go prepare a place for us. Christ went far and above and beyond what we deserve. After our sin, your sin, my sin, put Him on the cross. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And you don't have a greater love for you in this life than that which Jesus offers you this morning. You're not going to find it in your parents. Your parents probably love you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know your parents. I don't know your situation. And I'm not going to presume that. But I know some of you have fantastic parents, and even those parents don't love you like the Father loves you. They don't love you like Jesus loved you. They can't. We're incapable of it because, man, I'm just an earthly father, and so I love my children. I would do anything. I would die for them. But I'm not God, and so I don't have as much to sacrifice and surrender as God did. But He did it. He didn't hold anything back. He gave everything for you. He gave up everything for you. You don't get better love than that. And if we could only get a hold of this simple truth and get how full of, of, of selfless love we can be, man, you know what would happen? You know what would happen if we got a hold of God's love? If we just realized, okay, God doesn't care about Himself, cares about us. Humility, I mean, he, he surrendered his rights, all that, for me. And then we, and we process it. And then if we, could, if we could come to the conclusion that, man, I, I think that's what I'm supposed to do for other people. Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. Jesus was a, a prisoner on earth for us. If we could get over, like, man ourselves you know what happened i think our sunday mornings our tuesday evenings the bible studies we've talked about all the events the retreat i think they would be chock full of people flocking to the source of that love they would see it in you and your love the love of god just pouring out of you and and you you see souls and man i gotta i gotta be with that person i have to invest in them i have to reach out to them and all of a sudden they're like wow this person is kind and they care about me for no reason i didn't do anything to earn their care i'll go wherever they're going because it sounds like they're getting something good that i need 
I think ministry would, I think it'd be, I think it'd be different. Here's our, our need number three. We need the love of God for the war. We need the love of God for the war. It's a war for souls. There's students committing suicide at a pretty rapid rate. I don't know if, if you're aware. I don't know why you would know that other than just anecdotally, just that you see people in your schools that are struggling and they're suicidal and there's suicides all the time among young people. There's people dying nonstop. In addition to that, there's car accidents wiping out teens left and right. Shootings. I mean, where I work, there's at least one or two students shot and killed, like, every year. It's the dumbest thing in the world. But people are dying quickly. You know what that means? That means there's a war. You know who, you know who took them out? Satan took them out. Satan wants to, he wants to destroy. Oh, oh man, we've got to pick a fight, like Pastor Sam would say. We've got to pick a fight. We have to start loving people so that they can be saved. So that when they do die someday, man, they know the Father and they're with Him. And they're with us. And what I've realized is the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how, how little I am actually capable of loving well in and of myself. And I, like I'm a personable person. I can be pleasant and cordial. And I like people. But without the love and grace that God has poured out into my life, in my heart, I'm a natural, selfish, unloving man. I actually, at the core of who I am naturally, want what's best for me. And I think, I think you do too. You're really pleasant and sweet. But I think we're naturally just kind of selfish. If we could just say, you know what? I'm not actually that good. And I need what's good, which is God's love in me. So here's something to get. I got something for you to get. It is to get on your face, get your heart in your hands like we've described, and let God love, forgive, and show grace to you. Because you know what happens after that? Then you give that to other people. Get on your face and get your heart in your hands. And man, we're going to go, um, we've got, we're on our way out here, okay? I'm on the last step of, of the message. But after that, we're going to have some small group time. We're going to pray. Some of you are going to hide. But some of you, maybe it's churning. Maybe you're, you're recognizing, man, I, I really have, there's a desire in me. I don't know if I would call it a burden or a burning, but there's a desire. I want to be used by God. I want to be a part of the ministry. I want to do it. I kind of know how, but maybe I have no idea how, but I want to do it. Let me tell you that the first step for you and the next step for wherever you're at in that process, maybe you're leading a Bible study, maybe you're a counselor. The next step for us is to go into the worship service and to lift our hearts up to the Lord. It's to lay it down for him. It's not to worry about the students or the people next to us. That time of worship is not for you to corral and make sure everybody's in the sanctuary. It's the route. Okay, they're the parents' problem. We've got to worship the Lord. 
You have to lay it down before Him. Let God love, forgive, and show grace so that then, man, you can, you can be ready to give the love of God. So let's begin to conclude this chapter and, and the message this morning, verse 20 and 21, the last two verses. Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. There's a power that is God's, and it is working in us. And it's a power that God wants to use through us. And He's able to do it if we'll just let Him. He's able to do it if we'll just let Him. You say, well, this is my first Sunday. I don't know what to say to you. Welcome. But God can use you. He can use you even this week. So I've been here for 10 years and I still have never shared the gospel in my life because I'm kind of a big chicken or I've been distracted or whatever. Hey, praise God. Could be this week. Why not? Why not decide to get over yourself? Give up. Because He's able to do it if we'll just let Him. It may not be an instantaneous. You may not say, okay, I'm ready to be used by God and then tomorrow you lead like 12 people to the Lord. It may not look like that, right? In fact, it, I'm not going to say it probably won't, but it might not, right? It may not always appear to be super exciting and thrilling to, to say, I'm going to be used by God, but God will make you fruitful if you'll be faithful to abide in Christ. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So get this. Understand this. People are in different uh, people are in different roles and different, I think, positions just in life in general, right? Like Kylie is a stay-at-home mom. She has three children that she's growing and leading and nurturing and feeding and I mean she's dealing with children all the time. It's the same for some of the other moms in here. Okay, so is she going to be super evangelical? Like, are we going to see a bunch of people just come in because Kylie's, you know, wants to be used by God? Maybe. Maybe. But maybe not. Is it okay if you don't bring a bunch of friends in? You better believe it is. What does it mean to be fruitful? Some of you will go to the Independence Mall. You'll reach out. And somebody's going to follow you around. Someone will stick. Right? I believe that will happen. Some of you will go to the Independence Mall. And it will feel like you failed. You want to be used by God so bad. But you reach out and nobody shows up. And nobody comes. Nobody responds to the invitation. You say, well, God said he'd make me fruitful. Fruitful. Why am I not fruitful? Was well, it the end? After one invitation, is that the end of that fruit opportunity? I don't think so. Because then what happens? They come to a Bible study or they come to Sunday morning. And then what? And then what? For example, there's a, a student of mine who shows up. She'll be here next service. She's not here right now. She'll come at 1045. She came here because of me, because I invited her, right? Because I'm her teacher. I've, I'm exposed to hundreds of kids every day. So if I get one out of 150, 
Doesn't sound real fruitful, but I got one. I feel good about that. But then what can I do? Can I be your best friend? The answer is no. Okay, I cannot be a, a teenage girl's best friend. Okay, what can I do? Can I sit by her? Sure. Yeah, she sits by me every day, all day at school. That's not significant. It's not special. You know what's special? The body of Christ saying, hey, there's a person. I need to just show the love of God. Let's come alongside the fruit that comes in here. Let's come alongside the people who are visiting this morning. Let's come alongside the people who have been here maybe a few times or on and off. Let's come alongside them. Let's show the love of God. Let's engage in the war for souls. It's not just new people. It's the people sitting right next to you. The people in front of you or behind you. It's the people who have been here for 10 years. Maybe there's even a senior who needs you, middle schooler, to just show kindness. Or maybe it's, maybe it's someone you wouldn't suspect. I don't know. God can do it. If we'll just abide in Him, He'll make you fruitful. And that will result in Him getting glory by His Son now and forever. So here's the conclusion, okay? A couple things we talked about. Here's what we need to walk away with as we do some small group praying and, and hanging. I would challenge us, myself included, to trust God for peace and answer to prayer. There's a few things here. Peace and answer to prayer. Let's trust God for strength for the work. You're going to have to go through a really long, boring school week or work week. Man, can we just see past that? Work doesn't have to bog you down. Your purpose is... Is more than that. Can we trust God for love for the war? Can you just let God love you so that you can love others? And then let's trust God for fruit, for His glory. I want to be fruitful. I need to be fruitful, right? I need to. I need that. And I need you. I need you for me to be fruitful. Right? I can't do it on my own and neither can you. Let's do it. Let's trust God for that. Amen? So I'm going to pray and then um, I'm going to let Josh divide um, if, he, if he wants to, the middle schoolers or whatever. But we're going to divide into small groups um, and the adults aren't going to help you. The adults are going to be separate. So the Bible study leaders are going to kind of own... A small group area. If you're a junior, okay, I'm going to ask that even if you're not a Bible study leader, but you're a junior, or if there's two Bible study leaders in one Bible study, that you separate out, okay? And then the rest of us are going to fit, and middle schoolers, you might look for Josh to place you if, if you need that, but um, let's pray, and then we'll get divided up, okay? Okay. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I... I, I um, God, we need you. God, it is kind of just a big, it's, a, it's kind of a big, vain waste of time if, if we're going to try to do church and, and do it without you, you know, leading and guiding, being present, informing all, all, the, all the decisions and informing who we are. God, it is kind of just a big, activity and um, 
Lord, I, I don't want to be a part of a competing activity with other you know, school activities and sports and all the busyness of life. I, I don't want to be a part of something that's just competing with all the other things we got going on. God, I want to be part of what You're doing in the world that supersedes all other things in my life. That all the, the components, the activities, the time, my energy, all of that stuff, it submits to, to Your purpose, Your mission. I'm just, I just want to be fully surrendered to how You would move through my life. And I don't know what it looks like all the time. God, and I would guess that a lot of young people don't really know what it looks like to be used by God, even this week. But Lord, You are greater. God, You're, you're bigger. And You do impossible things. So would You do impossible things through the students in this ministry? Would You do things that may not even make sense because Your love is, is, is it supersedes uh, even understanding. I mean, You love us more than we even can comprehend. You give us peace that passeth understand, all understanding. I mean, like, God, You are bigger than our minds and our comprehension. And so we need You to be that big in and through us this week to make us fruitful. And so, Lord, whatever it is that we heard from you, Lord, would you just help us to respond in obedience and in humility. And um, may God be glorified in this group of people, in this family, in this ministry, you know, on this team. Have we view this group of people, God, be glorified in it. Would that be what we see this morning? As you lift it up. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.